What's happening, weirdos? This is my incredible conversation with the incredible Steve O, who has a new special out now called The Bucket List. You can find out how to watch it on steveo.com. You can also come see me. I'm doing some stand-up coming up. Uh, Tempe, Arizona for New Year's. And then I will be at the Brea Improv in California. And we did find new dates for Chicago. Uh, apologies again for rescheduling that, guys. That was a hard one for me. Um, but all of those tickets are available on PeteHolmes.com. Also, my special is on Netflix right now. Please watch that if you haven't already. It's called uh, I Am Not For Everyone. And that is streaming on Netflix right now. Uh, what else? I guess we could talk about the Pete's Picks. Pete's Picks, as you guys know, I only do ads for things that I actually use and actually love. And obviously, Modern Mammals is a huge one for me. I never used to wash my hair. I hated washing my hair because shampoo sucks. Shampoo sucks. So there's a real problem with shampoo. You wash your hair. I guess it's clean, but it looks like a bale of hay that you just took out of the dryer. It's crisp, it's fried, it's fluffy, it looks like crap, so you end up putting more crap in your hair just to make it look natural again. It was a disaster. So for years, I just wasn't washing my hair, and then I found Modern Mammals. Modern Mammals, in a nutshell, is shampoo, basically, that cleans your hair, so it's clean, comb goes right through it, it's amazing, but... It doesn't dry it out. It looks like it looked before you washed it in the sense that it's still natural, still maintains some of that oil, some of that, ugh, I don't know how to describe it. It basically looks like you have a little product in it after you washed it and you're ready to go. I mean, I've been on red carpets and I washed my hair with Modern Mammals that morning. I never used to do that. But of course you have to clean your hair. So this is a huge problem. And this is the solution, Modern Mammals. Game changer. It's got 40,000 guides have switched to it instead of traditional shampoo. The reviews are mind-blowing. Once you use it, you will be hooked for life. I am hooked for life. You can't go back. Get a guy in your life, Modern Mammals, maybe this holiday season. It's a wonderful gift. They might not even know they need it, but you know they need it. It's a small grassroots punk rock company. I love these guys, and they're saving our hair, making this new shampoo alternative specifically for men. They have bars for no plastic and no fragrance or bottles. It's like a magic gray mud, and I love the feeling of it. I love the smell of it, and I love that it gets you hair perfect every single time in six seconds. Go to modernmammals.com weird, where people can get a special combo deal and try both the bottle and the bar for, both, uh, for $44. You get both and support the show, modernmammals.com slash weird. We are also brought to us by our friends at Open. You guys know I struggle with sleep. I struggle with anxiety. I have a brain that's very active. It's very hard to turn it off. It's hard to calm down and settle my mind. I got a lot going on up there. Well, thankfully, I found a new solution that's been working wonders for me, the Open app, which takes you through thoughtful and intentionally designed classes for clarity. You can hear Leela in the background. Anxiety, focus, energy, and sleep. The, diff the difference between before and after for me, like, like before the calming breathwork class is night and day. I'm a huge fan of breathwork, but it's not always easy to do. You need help, I need guidance, and I wanna make sure I'm doing it right, and the open app takes care of all that. I actually like to do it before I go on stage to feel a little more centered and clear and get rid of that anxiety and those jitters. 
so I'm calm and present while I'm performing, and I do it before bed, the PM body scan has me out like a light. If that's all it did, it would be incredible. It took me years to find a better way, and now I'm passing it on to you, and you only need five minutes a day. The open method is simple and it works. It combines breath work, meditation, and fitness. They have a badass community of people doing it all together, all committed to personal growth to help support you. My only regret, is not starting it sooner. The app changed my life. It will change yours. If you want to get on my daily routine, you can get 30 days free of Open by visiting withopen.com slash weird. Again, that, that is 30 days free by visiting withopen.com slash weird. Support your body, support your mind, support your life, support the show. All right, everybody. Enjoy. Steve O, get into it. Not this persona. Can the real Steve show? What if you just were like, Af- afternoon? I um, <laughs> I was trying to work with the vocal coach at one point. Buddy, brutal, right? Uh, he no, we have the same thing. Down. I went to a, a, a Cedar, not Cedar, Cedars? Is it a Cedars person? Um, no, it's um, somebody was referred to me by... Who cares? Exactly. <laughs> no, not that I don't care, but I don't want you to strain to try to remember. Uh, no, no, yeah, I don't mind. I just know it's sort of embarrassing. The, this, you massage, and the, you have to like yeah. stretch your tongue and brrrr before shows. And right, all that. right, right, right. It really worked. Did you see the Metallica documentary? The Some Kind of Monster? Yeah. Um, what if you were like, no. A long time ago. <laughs> it, well, what made me feel better about it was James Hetfield is in the stairwell, the most metal person of all time and he's going me 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 and i'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no there's no cool way to do it right. you just have to go it's okay so we're recording well there we go thank you right on it's great to be here I'm, I'm really happy to yeah we've walked past one another many times I, I um not long ago had a set at the comedy store yeah walked in you were on stage and it was just thunderous no thunderous like the, the, I mean, there's just something about the comedy store, man. It's, it's special, isn't it? it? It's unbelievable, and the energy in there. I just thought, man, I'm swimming with sharks tonight. <laughs> That's part of it, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, to me, following great people. I still, yeah. I still feel it too. You know, obviously, I'm like, for oh sure. God, I, follow, I just followed Santino there. I saw you there. Yeah, I think on Monday. Um, no, before I, the holiday. No. It doesn't matter. No, not in the last week or so. But um, but yeah, it, it, absolutely. I remember uh, who, who else was there? Just uh, Eliza was there. Yeah. She did great. Yeah, she murders. Um, I just remember thinking, God, I've just got to step it up tonight. Isn't that funny that like, because one of the things I sincerely admire about you, I, I'm a spiritual person and I'm always talking about like, there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing, we're, we're innocent. Like it's okay. Right. All this like self acceptance. I, I I'm I'm excited to talk about spiritual really concepts with you. That's great. Well, one of the things, <clears throat> and this might sound false, but I sincerely mean it, is like I just took a pee, right? And I was like, isn't it funny that Steve can pee in front of people? And I really I don't like it. I I'd rather not pee at a ball game. You know what I mean? Right. And what is going on there is like a latent shame like a like a denial of my human and you don't have that i know that sounds uh, funny but like you know I, I i i do i just have it in different ways tell me um w- with uh with my stand-up um 
even though I've been doing it, like, just, I've been doing it belligerently and persistently and, and, and aggressively. Yeah. I've just not stopped yeah. for 13 years. Wow. Just, just, you know, like I've maintained a schedule of, of touring that, that's, that's unhealthy. Yeah. You know, I, I do <laughs> so many it's shows. a little on brand. <laughs> and yet somehow, because I came into stand-up from something else, I've got this, this built-in insecurity that people don't want to accept Oh, me. no, that's real. That's real. Yeah. yeah, and so... It doesn't matter if you come in... Like Ricky Gervais creates the funniest TV show of all time, yeah. does stand-up. I, I have to imagine he was also like, right. do you accept me? Because you came right. like late, which is so silly, but I get it. I get right. it because they, they can be like a clubhouse and it's like, oh, these are the real, these are the right. real pirates. Right. And you're a guy wearing a hat that you got at Pirates of the Caribbean being like, Arr. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And over the course of the 13 years of me doing stand up, which by the way, you're <clears throat> minted. Past 10, you're <laughs> well, mint, like by anyone's standard. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Because stand ups are worried that you're not, that you're a tourist. Right. You know, 13 years, that's longer than. Yeah, I mean, the, the the reality. If if my, you know, my if my logical thinking applies, it's it's very democratic. If yeah. people don't want you to be doing it, then there isn't an audience, and it's yeah. gonna not continue. Right. But for me, I was able to keep making it around to the comedy club circuit year after year, and and uh, and business got better and better. And it's like and, getting your passport stamped. Right. Like, Look, I was there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. And over the course of, of the time, um, my my comedy became multimedia. Yeah. Where um, in the beginning, it was just me and a microphone. <clears throat> then it was me and a microphone, and I would edit footage in after the fact so that my second special could be multimedia. Like Yeah, but not uh, for the audience. Correct. For the viewing yeah. audience. Yeah. So I didn't have it to lean on when I was touring. The show on tour was was uh, just stand up in its own right, but then I added footage and after the fact, yeah, and that worked so well. Then I really wanted to bring footage with me on tour for yeah. my third hour. Let them enjoy it. Yeah, and um, God, it, it worked so well. That that that's the the special I've just put out. Yeah, yeah, I was just watching list. it this morning. Oh man. It's a crazy way to start your day. <laughs> For me, it's like 9 a.m. Yeah. I just yeah. dropped my daughter off and I'm like, oh, but that's yeah. it. There's yeah. like a, we call it, I call it the Borat factor, like watching it in a theater. Yeah. I, I cry for people that watch Jackass movies or Borat without a crowd. It's so yeah. fun. That be, That is the show, in fact. The show is obviously the show, but like yeah. if there's a second show, is sure. watching for sure all sorts of people <laughs> react yeah. in different ways. And, and uh, so early on, not not that early on, but uh, certainly you know a year or more before I taped this special, I sent uh, a reference cut, a, a recording of of the show with all the multimedia baked in to yeah. my buddy Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, and and he said, "Hey man, this is great," but you know, he he, he said, "If you if, if you could make your delivery more conversational, oh wow, that would that would help." And that's it, a hard thing. That's a hard note to give it, too. It's, it's a hard note to get. It's it, well, but it's good I, to have I, a friend that could be like, "Couldn't agree more." I'm trying to help. Yeah, but most people will just go, "Yeah, it's great." 
Yeah. Avoid oh, it. Oh, no. Knoxville's always been very thoughtful, very candid. That's that's like me and Berbiglia. Berbiglia, Mike Berbiglia yeah. will be like, I don't like this joke. And you're yeah. like, what? oh, God. Like, I'm right. so... What's the Hollywood cliche? Your managers are all like, it's the best, yeah, Steve. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. best. Yes, people. Because they're... I mean... That's self-preservational. They want you to release it. They want it to make money, right. and all. they don't really care, or as much as a friend, right. a real friend, for sure. And and he he's always been that way, in Knoxville. And so I continued touring with the show, and I was I I was trying so hard <laughs> to to just be more natural and loose and conversational, and I just couldn't feel it working. Oh. And ultimately, what I did was uh, I hired a speaking coach, not a vocal coach, but a speaking coach. Obviously. To, uh, <laughs> yeah. Because you still have the rasp, right? Yeah. That, that, was, that <laughs> right. was the joke. You, you right, wanted right. someone to help you speak more naturally, not, uh, not right. sound. Right. Yeah. So with the, the speaking coach got the, the you know, recording of the, of the show and, and, and watched it. And, and the, the speaking coach said to me, why... Uh, do you have no problem in the vignettes, the multimedia component? Yeah. You're very loose, very natural, you know? Yeah. Yet on stage, you have this kind of, uh, you know... Fear is at play. Stiffness. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. And, and, and what we arrived at is that in, when, I'm, when I'm in the, the... doing my thing on, in the vignettes, like, I'm not... You know, like it's so natural for me. Well, you're also in control. Your fiance is yeah. shooting. You you decide like, let's roll now, right? right? I have to imagine you're like, I feel like it. Let's do it. We can edit it. It's, right. it's different on, they see everything on stage. Yeah. Is that, am I right? I, I think what it is, is that, um, is is that that just insecurity that when I'm on stage, it's like, oh, you know, like, like I, I feel that there's some self-consciousness, like, oh, now I'm performing stand-up and, yeah. and people don't want to accept me as that. And and I think that we have, we've, we really chipped away at it, really broke. And, and I just developed this mantra of going out on stage and be like, dude, I'm just the guy in the clips. You know, I'm not out here trying to yeah. trying to impersonate what I think a stand-up comedian is. Right. No, I'm I'm going out there like if it's a TED talk and and I'm I'm speaking as the world's foremost uh, expert yeah. in in uh, poo-poo jokes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> yeah, poo-poo jokes. <clears throat> yeah, scatological humor. I'm the best the, in the world. Like, I, I'm... I'm, I'm the, well, you're also a pioneer of this other thing, but that can carry right. over into this. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right. But that's what's interesting to me, watching, obviously listening to your podcast and seeing you evolve. I feel like you know, you've thought about this, but you kind of just alluded to it. When I see you doing stand-up, I see somebody who had to get over... Uh, the idea that you're not valuable if you're not backflipping yeah. into a vat of acid, right? right? Like, why yeah. would you watch me? And isn't that, was that young Steve-O's hang up? It's like, I'll do anything. And you started at 10 yeah. <laughs> and now you're telling us an anecdote about an Uber that you took right. once. It's like, 
you probably have to like green light that your feelings and your private thoughts are as valuable as an extreme stunt. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I would, like it gave me anxiety. You describing like, I'm, it like, like me I, out I, too. I, 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 I can't talk about Uber. <laughs> not, not okay. But uh, <laughs> funny that like you will see me. Is that the voice of young Steve-O? You will see me. Or is it more, I will shock you? Is it about them or is it about you? I, I, I think that I've just left the bar. You know, where the bar lives is, is a, a, a terrifying height. <laughs> and uh, to come in underneath the bar, it's, it, it, that's something that has less to do with an audience or an audience's expectations than I think a standard that I hold myself to. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Where'd, I, that, I don't standard, know. where'd that standard come from? The, starting at the beginning and working yeah. up to the stand-up. And not to be too therapy, but I'm I'm genuinely interested. Sure. Like, I got, I'll start with this. I got into stand-up because I really felt like my parents were lost in their own worlds. You know what I mean? Like the dinner table, I was like, ah. Right. And I, so when I was away from my family and found a way for people to like see me, at, and, and laughter is this great proof that you've been heard. Not only were you heard, right. you were understood. Wow, and they, I like that. And they got your perspective so when i like complain about my parents and i'm like and then he says and they laugh i'm like thank you right that was crazy or whatever so that was the need if you were start you started by submitting your tapes to the guy who would go on to direct right 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 do you remember i mean there's so many ways to come at it where you like the world is absurd. Why are we all acting like it's normal? Uh, um, we're all in danger. Why are we acting like we're safe? Like, what, what was I, the voice? I have a theory on this. And it's that mortality is, is such a, uh, a problem yeah. for all of us. The, the, the way that I view it, our human experience is a cruel prank on us because we have only one instinct, which is to survive. Yeah. And one guarantee, we won't. That's the cosmic joke. <clears throat> so We're ice sculptures. Yeah. We're, ice, we're melting <laughs> I, ice sculptures. I like that. And some of the ice sculptures are like, I have a billion dollars. And it's like, who cares, dipshit? <laughs> or some of them are like, right. in the 70s, I had a hit record. Who cares, dipshit? Like... <laughs> I'm reading The Denial of Death right now, and it's all about the, like, everything we do is driven by this, like, unspoken, so repressed, unconscious. War is some dictator being like, the more bodies that fall, the the more I am, the more I'm served, and look how real I am. And then history laughs. It's like... Napoleon? Right. What are you talking? You're gone. You're right. gone just like the postman For sure. is gone. Like So it's this equalizer. So you're saying there was a sort yeah, of like, I, let's I, look at this. Well, well, yeah. And when I was, uh, you know, failing out of the University of Miami in 1993, um, I, I, I was very acutely aware of my inability to make it to class, to to get passing grades. There was no chance that I was going to graduate from university. Yeah. I could not do it. And every single attempt that I had ever made to hold a job was equally 
catastrophic. Right. So and you're not like fitting in. I it's, could a, it's a not, lonely feeling. I could not keep a job. Yeah. And like no matter like I, I could not bring myself to do anything that I was not passionate about doing. And it wasn't a choice. You weren't being punk rock. You right. literally weren't just built that literally way. Was, yeah. I couldn't. And so in my view, I like woefully lacked the basic survival skills needed to navigate the world we live in. Right. And I expected that it was my fate that I was going to fail miserably at life and die young and having failed pathetically. Right. right. And and so there was like an extra like uh just frustration, despair, like I just I I'm just not cut out. And and um I think that it's not a mystery why my first stunts were 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 just so by design uh to mock lash out at like there was very angsty yeah like i was hanging off like a 12 story balcony by my bare hands yeah and and, and uh you know i let go dropping onto the 11th floor below like ah and i did it like very drunk oh <laughs> you know like my God. it was like i could die you know it was like and it was like me lashing out at death yeah um and and there was something about the fact of videotaping it, which which absolutely cheats death. Like I was like, I'm gonna be dead. Yeah, I'll have like it, like having failed, dead, gone. But these videos that I'm making, even if I die, me. they will They'll outlive me. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so my early stunts. In some ways, I really feel that I, it, it was me scrambling around frantically trying to pack my message into a bottle yeah. so that I could be discovered posthumously Yeah, as the Van Gogh yeah. dipshit of the video camera. It reminds me, there. there's a lot of, um, I don't know, I don't want can you say primal? Like uh, tribes in South America, which I know you lived in South America, but like I'm thinking about like the Yanomami and all these different, Indians and whatever. I don't know why we call them Indians. Anyway, I'm really having a hard time talking about this without being offensive. I'm just saying it goes really far back that like a shaman would gouge his back with hooks yeah. and hang there in the tr in the village. So there's the baskets. Here's the food for tonight. Oh, there's the shaman. He's bleeding out. They would call it death tripping. They would they would literally take themselves as close as they could to death. <clears throat> to then have a psychedelic experience, like a vision, and yeah. come back. Or standing on poles, like with one foot. Yep. There's all this sort of stuff. So it's not, it's actually, it is new. You are a pioneer, but it also seems to be part oh, of absolutely the human. I, I don't think it, I don't think. You took it to a different new. place. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of new stuff available. But isn't that weird? But you, I mean, you were in the MTV days being like, what is this? And it's like, well, there's actually a historical precedent for this, is yeah. you're right. The one thing the one special thing we all have is our relationship to our own mortality. And you wanted to turn well, that into a identity. Right. And, and you did. Um, I think that, that people are very, very uh, averse 
to even contemplating their mortality. Of and course. I think that that is a, a grave mistake. You see a corpse, they put makeup on it. They yeah. cut your belly off. Like if you had a huge belly, you're flat. You look great. It's, it's fucking perverse. And I say this all the time, but like Ramdas used to talk about how in India, when someone died, they would carry them on a board through the street just a dead body, not adorned, yeah. not fixed up, just here's death. Right. And that would help everyone kind of understand and remember it. And here we hide birth. The birth process is like, it's a little bit like factory farming, which I know is something yeah. else you feel about. It's like, it's over here. Let's not look at that. And our deaths are, it's over here. And we won't let you see it until it's pretty. And then it's, it's just like the tiniest little wanna... bite. I, I don't think that we even want to see it if it's pretty. Like I, I, I agree. I think that um, that even being old is is not it's not acceptable. It's like to be to be elderly. Yeah, is an offense because we don't have elders. We just have old useless people. I'm not saying that's right, true. Right, right, right. We're just like, well, they can't produce. They can't consume. It's, what it's are they? That, it's not. It's not even that. It's that elderly people serve as a reminder of our mortality, and we don't care to be reminded of our mortality. So we are offended by yeah. old people and want them out of our Completely line of sight. Because, and it's weakness too. It's it's mortality and it's and it's yeah. cousin weakness. It's like I'm watching my parents get older, and I'm also watching people in their circle not be able to spend time with them because it's hard when somebody is shaking as they're right. drinking their tea and has to ride yeah. a little chair up the stairs. But like, I'm grateful, again, Ramdas twice in 10 minutes, but he's like, in our culture, it's like we go out and the leaves <coughs> are changing to red, they're dying. And right. we go out with green paint and we paint them and we go, they're still green, they're, they're right. still green. This is what Botox is. I feel horrible for the burden on everybody, but women in particular, that you're like, you can't age. Remember the new Top Gun? They didn't have the same woman. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, it doesn't wow, matter. Yeah. And then I looked up a picture of that woman, and she like aged appropriately. Yeah. And I'm not dragging Tom Cruise, but I'm like, it's sort of fucking weird that the hero of our country is sixty something and looks thirty something, and we're all just sort of like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> death won't come. Like, what are we <laughs> right. gonna do when Tom Cruise dies? What are we gonna do as a nation? It's so funny. My <laughs> my my. Uh, a friend of mine said, man, uh, if it wasn't for Scientology, Tom Cruise would be the coolest guy who ever lived. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. Like, can, can you imagine? If he, if he wasn't? Everyone just, can you imagine if it wasn't? <laughs> and a very, very solemn. <laughs> just, just, just staring out the window. God, like, he was so close. <laughs> he was so close. When he does... What does he do? Death-defying stunts as well. Yeah. And he makes a point to be like, that's really me. So not only am I old and I'm defying that, but I'm also right. tempting death. How many times did he jump off that mountain on the bike? It's the same service. And don't, I have this joke, it doesn't really work, but I go, you ever catch yourself watching TV and you're like, I can't die, I'm Captain America. Like you you project yourself onto these yeah. heroes and or Tom Cruise. And you go, as with Tom, so with me. As you're eating a hoagie, you know yeah. what I mean? And like, it doesn't matter because you can imagine that's the service they provide is you will also look great. You will also cheat yeah. death forever. 
Yeah, it's crazy. And 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 the thing, you know, I'd like to take it to the to the spiritual that this whole like idea of death and and I mean, it's an illusion, right? I mean, do we not have enough evidence now that uh like with all the the people's accounts of of near death experiences where they they experience their their uh, their life review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, are we not like at a place where where we can actually understand that that we're not the body? That there's nothing that, to be afraid of. Yeah. yeah, but that's again that goes back to you. And I know I, I don't want to be too absurd by saying sometimes it's just a good old kick in the nuts. Sure. You know, sometimes a cigar Easy. is just a cigar, and it's just funny and it's great. But this is the podcast where we go a little right. bit deeper and go. There are these aesthetics in India that throw their shit at people and they eat the glories. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And they're trying, I think I, I don't have a full understanding, but they're trying to say like, don't you see this isn't real? Don't you see this isn't like your idea of being a good boy and God will love me is so absurd. And I know God's love is so encompassing that I'm going to do everything <laughs> weird to freak you out because that's how sure I am that we're okay. Yeah, we filmed with the Agoris. Really? Yeah, a couple times. And, and, uh, <laughs> More than once? <laughs> well, when the, the, once was for um, my, uh, my show Wild Boys, which was sort of a... You know, a homoerotic comedy nature show, and and it was just me and one other guy, Chris Pontius, and and we had a really pretty fantastic experience with the the Agoris. They they were just wild. Then we went to India again uh, to film the second Jackass movie, and we filmed with the Agoris with the whole cast, and we found that the whole cast of Jackass um, was not. Uh, as tolerant as just me and Pontius were, <laughs> of them, they just wasn't hat like they yeah. were agoraphobic. They were doing they were doing their their gory thing, and and it, it didn't fly with all the guys. What like, were they doing? Um, just kind of acting a fool. Like like they they I, I don't remember anything in particular, but I think there was like some leg humping kind of a thing. It was like don't hump my leg, dude. <laughs> you know, like the the, the the tolerance for 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 uh, jackass Fulery. wasn't wasn't uh, there. Yeah, they had met their match. Would you? But, say? <laughs> yeah, but but I just my experience wasn't that they were quite as thoughtful as you're suggesting. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I, I, even as I was saying that, I was like, I don't know if it's that intellectual. Yeah. They were, they were quite, I, mean, I don't know. They, <laughs> they were not, they were wild. Yeah. They, they were, they were just trying to get a rise was, was our, our, our deal. Or my impression. Yeah. Drinking whiskey out of human skulls. And, yeah. And, uh, think, yeah, they, they, and interesting, yeah, interesting guys. I think it does tie to what we're talking about, but who I, knows? I, yeah, on some level, yeah, yeah. But I think that they've kind of uh, that they're they're just not uh, coming from a place of of uh, God is accepting, you know. Right. They're, more, they're more just like, ha, look at me, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and which I can relate to so much. Um, it, it's it's interesting too that um, that it. Death is not such a taboo subject, and and elders are appreciated in yeah the the in India Eastern Hemisphere yeah 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 and they think we're nuts and and did you know for example postpartum in countries where the mother and the grandmother like sometimes both grandmothers all live in the same house postpartum numbers are like 
really low because it's just like we're supposed to be together generations of women right your mother is supposed to be with the new mother and the grandmother and i and, and the grandfather like the whole thing is supposed to be supporting and the fact that we isolate in these rectangles yeah we all go off to our rectangles is deeply unnatural and we know this uh but we don't really do anything about it <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Man, yeah, it's it's super crazy. What do, when you talk about the Aguris rubbing the jackass guys the wrong way, I have to imagine one of my questions I just wrote, what's it like being you? And to make that a little bit more specific, you know, you're coming to do this podcast and I get a little nervous. Not really, because I've listened to your podcast and I know you're a thoughtful guy. But more than me being worried that you're going to like think I'm a prank guy and somehow sabotage me, is your day-to-day life like a fan is going to just see you and be like, he's the guy that likes being hit with a board? Like, is that? Mm, I don't think that's so much it. Um, I think that the, the for fans or, or just people who are aware of me and encounter me in a public setting that I'm considerably more approachable than a lot of uh, people with, with, uh, you know, profiles. Like Tom Hanks. You might yeah. ignore Tom Hanks. Cause Oh my God. It's yeah, Tom you Hanks. might be like, Oh, you know, like people right. just, they, they, they're like, I feel that, uh, yeah, I'm kind of a people's guy. For so sure. like, it's, it's, it's very permissible to, um, to, to approach me and, and be, you know, but like, nobody however. like licks you. Um, it, that's, that's kind of rare. That, yeah. that, that's a little bit more rare. It reminds me of punk rock where spitting on the guy singing is actually kind of like, oh, that's their hello. Like, I, I remember I saw Rancid when I was 17 and someone hawked, not just spit, but like a loogie on Tim Armstrong's face. And it just dripped down his face. He didn't even wipe it. And I was like, oh, this is a weird culture. So people don't tase you. <laughs> No, I mean, th- there have been situations like that, but it's certainly not the norm. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not the norm. I, I, you know what, like, I, it's all I ever wanted was was attention. So it's it's fitting that, that uh, I, you know, that, that I should get it and, and be okay with it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. Right. But as you're getting older and you're having your attention meet, needs met in other ways, your podcast meets yeah. your stand-up, your fiance. Yeah. So now you're growing up and you don't... I got to... Like when I saw Eric Andre and, and uh, Knoxville tasing each other on that show they were doing, yeah. I was like, this is me. But I was like, how old is Johnny? I'm just sort of like, right. can we give this guy a break? But it's almost like... I worry about the obligation. Like, well, I have to do this. I did right. that. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever just want to? Um, I think I do feel obligated on some level. I feel like, uh, you know, my next move has to be crazier. And, and you know, check this out. It, it won't come out for some time, but I had a, a conversation with Caitlyn Jenner. And, and Caitlyn Jenner was... Uh, she was saying that I made her think of Elton John and how he wore these huge elaborate costumes and each costume had to be even crazier and just yeah. got to a point yeah. where he's just like, 
<laughs> yeah. You know, like at which point do you see the bar Cabin. and just yeah. think and just think, nah, I'm not gonna, you know. I did it. Yeah. I'm just gonna wear a tuxedo. Yeah, just kind of <laughs> I'm just gonna just gonna wear a suit, a normal thing. Um and and that that had such a profound impact on me to mm. the 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 Elton John metaphor. I it was just like, man. I got one more. I got one more uh, elaborate outfit in me, <laughs> and then and then and then I'd like to think that uh, that I can, you know, I've been evolving with podcasting, with stand up, and yeah. you know, all of these sobriety different too. things for sure. Yeah. Um, that that I think that I can find a way forward that doesn't involve like high impact, yeah, stunts kind of thing. Well, I thought about you. I, I just pick up my dog. I have a five-year-old daughter <clears throat> and I picked her up yesterday. Actually, it was a friend of hers. I flipped him upside down and I love, I'm a big guy, so I love doing that sort of stuff. And I just felt something in my low back. It wasn't like a pull or anything, but I was like, like I needed to get a, a massage. Like I, it was like yeah. a therapeutic or I won't be able to walk. And I was like, that's gotta be at, <laughs> at play. I mean, you probably, yeah. for all the great scar stories you have, you probably also have, like in my stand-up special, I told a story about hurting myself because I crouched in the shower and, and put my face back and forth. I threw my back out. Just just doing right. that. So, I mean, you have to have like some pretty lame, you know, injury stories as sure. well. Sure. I, I mean, I think that all of my uh, issues are just standard 49-year-old dude stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't think, uh, like I, I'm, I have a torn meniscus I'm getting operated on in two days. And... Nothing happened. <laughs> right, it was just your body. Yeah, I think I was actually riding a bicycle. Like um, the story is nothing. Yeah, not nothing. Time. Right. So it yeah. must be cool though, because I'd love to talk to you about pain and courage, and we're talking about overcoming stage fright and stuff. I know we were getting into stand up, but like, if you were, if I were, I, I'll have to get a colonoscopy soon, and then I, I'm like, if I could somehow bottle what you have. Is there any way that you could describe how you do things you don't want to do and how you say yes to fear and pain? Because it actually is useful. Like, right. we have to do sure. things. Some people, Berbiglia has to get a camera up his urethra, you know, to scan for whatever, a couple times a year. So if we could, like, if there was a pill, the yeah. Stevo pill... <laughs> But what is the what is the process? You're about to do a thing, and it's going to hurt. What do you do? Do you not think about it? Um, a, a very useful tool for me um, is one, two, three, go. I, I've I've never backed out. Like one, two, three, go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you just make a deal with yourself. Yeah. We go on go. Yeah. I think this whole civilization, <laughs> the linchpins of the whole thing are yeah. people like you going like Oppenheimer. It's just like <laughs> it could evaporize the whole known yeah. universe. One, two, three, go. And they do it. Yeah. Um, my, 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 uh, my bull rider buddy once said profoundly, you're never ready. It just becomes your turn. Wow. Um, yeah, I, being I like, okay with not readiness. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, I think that in, in a general sense that, you know, I, I don't have any particular 
threshold for for pain like i don't have a tolerance or you know, i just and because if i did there wouldn't be uh um there wouldn't be that uh trepidation that there, there wouldn't be that reaction you know that yeah. makes everything compelling yeah um, yeah so you need it, a real guy doing it you don't yeah. want who what there was a superhero that couldn't feel pain you don't right. want that yeah, I would be indifferent. It would be very boring. Yeah, so, you need a real guy. Yeah, you need a real guy. And I think that if I have uh, some kind of a, of a superpower, it's quite simply that my my desire for attention outweighs my desire for comfort. Yeah. It's really... Okay, so to bring that to earth, because not a lot of people listening are stunt people, right. but... Isn't it funny that like bodybuilders are doing a very similar thing? The the silly the way that I can relate is I, I like cold exposure and every time I do it, my body says don't do it. Right. And then I just do it. That's my there one, two, go. three, go. Yeah. I'd like I, I uh, learned that for my knee that ice baths are very helpful. Yeah. And so just a couple of days ago I did like my first one. Oh wow! Yeah, and God, I hate it. Of course, it's the worst. Yeah, you ha- you do, always do you hate do it. that here. I well, I don't live here anymore, but where we live, we we used to have it right there, and it made the move. And I use it every day. And what temperature is the water that it's you get? Thirty nine. Thirty nine. Okay. Yeah. It's which is as cold as it goes, but I think you could it freezes at like thirty four or something, so you could go a little bit lower. Yeah, but that I don't know the the phenomenon of like tricking like there's a there's a part of you that's this is kind of spiritual i suppose that's watching your body that's watching your mind and your mind and your body are saying no and i think there's something whether it's weightlifting so super athletes stunt people even something as simple as getting in a, a tub of cold water it's weird that there's a separate part of us that can go override like i'm gonna all the lights are flashing don't do it right isn't there some sort of clue that there's another part of us that can go? Because, you know, we do that with our moods. Like, you can choose a better mood. Like, you can choose a better outlook. You can. There's an overriding factor that's very useful. And a stunt or cold exposure or weightlifting is just like another expression of that same mechanism. Perhaps. How long do you stay in the 39 degrees? Between three and seven minutes. Wow. Yeah. Do you know wow. why you know why you don't want to stay in longer? Why? Because it'll take too long to heat up. It's you'll you'll have to like sit in a hot tub for thirty minutes to get back, and that's the risk. So no nobody like nobody says this more than you, but don't try that. <laughs> and it takes a lot of training. You know, the first time I did it, I was blue blue lipped. It was it was at sixty. I was blue lipped and shaking. And then the next time you just you build that you do build up okay. over time, and then it gets so it's actually easy. And that's why you start staying in for seven minutes because I am chasing an endorphin. I'm an addict as well. So it's like I'm chasing like a natural. There's no better feeling than seven minutes in cold water and then getting in a hot tub. It's, it's, yeah. I call it the full body jizz. It's, <laughs> it's incredible. That's you just great. don't know what to do. You're like, it's, it is like an orgasm. Yeah. So, so, so t- tell me about uh, being an addict. Like uh, you're a guy in recovery. I, I didn't go through the program, uh, although I admire the program and enjoy, I have a lot of friends in the program and everything I hear about it, I love. Um, but I just noticed that like, can I, uh, here's my theory and I'm going to put it to you. Okay. <clears throat> Alcohol, more than drugs, 
I still occasionally do psychedelics as a, as a I know that sounds like a weird thing, but it's, it's a, as a spiritual thing, I do sure. occasionally do psychedelics uh, and weed. But booze, and I'd love to hear what you think about this. I noticed that booze was the only thing that gave me as much attention as I wanted the world to give me, meaning it was a guaranteed experience. You drink this liquid, something will happen. It won't ignore you. Does that make sense? Um, the alcohol won't ignore you. It will It will attend to you. Okay. <laughs> it could be good. It could be bad. Right. But it won't ignore you. And somebody who wants, wants something. I want. Yeah. There's a want. And alcohol would give it. So, I, like, I felt that way. You know, someone who wants attention and someone who wants alcohol, pretty similar to me. Uh, like, I was like, change how I feel. Right. And it would go, okay. Yeah. And it was reliable. And and I, I recognized, I was like, this is never going to stop. Like, talk about the witnessing thing yeah. that was like, I know the body seems to like this, even the parts that it doesn't like, we need to step in and, and stop. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's interesting. Um, when it comes to attention... I remember being the kid in in school who, when I had to get up in front of the class and give a class presentation, I would like the the, the pressure, and you could hear my voice like trembling, like with nervousness, and ah, yeah, yeah. you know, like um, it, it it's it's really interesting to me that whole dynamic because I I, I wanted so much the yeah. the attention, the 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 approval, the praise. But I was so afraid yeah. of not being liked. Yeah, you have to risk your worst fear to get right. your greatest treasure. Right. Yeah. So it's just this uh it's just kind of a rock and a hard spot situation. Like yeah. I wanna be in the scene, but I'm terrified of it. And um there was a uh a report card that my sister saves all the you know she's like the family historian and um <laughs> she we were going through stuff when i was uh setting about writing my first book and i found this sixth grade report card where the teacher wrote uh about me that that i i i don't know if the word desperate was used but i <laughs> but i so crave steve so craves the uh the the uh, approval and praise of his peers but everything he does <clears throat> seeking it brings about the opposite results oh wow and it was so piercing to me wow. because like <clears throat> you know there are just tragic situations where you want something so bad and your way of trying to get it like brings about the opposite results yeah and you have to risk that and you actually kind of have to endure it. It reminds me of stand-up. It's like you want to be a stand-up, be terrible at stand-up for eight years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like pretty bad. Right. Pretty bad. At least for three years, you'll stink. <clears throat> for sure. And, and um, that you know, it calls to mind too. Like that, I think when when people have a stutter, that the stutter presents specifically at the times that they don't they want don't to want it to. Right. You know, like right. and and that. There's something really, really like uh, tragic in that. Yeah, I wonder what that is. I like, mean, why? It, like, don't like, when it's most important that you don't do something is when you're going to do it the most. You ever realize? I mean, I'm sure you do. Sometimes 
I, I think I was stoned and I realized that I was the greatest threat to myself. And I don't mean that in a suicidal way. I mean, right. I'm the one, like I was planning on smoking 5-MeO DMT. And I was like, then I got stoned a couple weeks prior. And I was like, it, like my body was talking to me being like, you're the problem. Like you're <laughs> signing us up for <clears throat> paradigm shifting psychedelics. So the stutter potentially, Lord knows, I don't know. It's like the protector is going like, let's just shut everything down. And then we can just sit still and be ignored, but at least we won't be in danger as opposed right. to overcoming it and getting people looking at you. And then you're risking, it thinks you're risking even more. Right. And you know what? I got into this with that speaking coach. It was very, very much more like therapy mm. than, you know, and, and that my, my protector, yeah. like my, my protector, like a, it, it, I've got some mechanism trying to protect me, Yes, but it, it's not doing a good job. <laughs> but I mean, also, didn't it? I mean, all these things you did took a kid who couldn't pass school, right. couldn't keep a job. Yeah. And then it was like, I'm always trying to just recognize that everyone's doing the same thing. What I'm doing is like culturally acceptable. I, I'm a, a comedian. I got good at comedy and I do comedy. And then you watch someone who's not shiny and what are they doing? And it's like, they're doing the exact same thing. They're finding what is unique about them and highlighting it and, and dimming the lights on what is deplorable about them. So in a sense, like what you did really worked. <laughs> like the protector was right. It's like, let's go cling to a balcony. Right. And now you, you know, probably live in a nice house. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I mean, I, I can't argue with that. I, I really can't. And um, I wonder what the the parallel is there with with uh, you know the alcohol. Yeah, I I could see that my my I thought I was going to blow you away with my attention. Alcohol gives you attention, but that is that is my thing. Mushrooms is a good example. Like if you take mushrooms, you have like four hours of this thing <laughs> only for you. Even if it's bad, you can't say it's ignoring you. Do you sure. know what I mean? Like it's like this thing is very interested in me right now. My experience with mushrooms was that it made me um, introspective to a point of discomfort and, and introspective where I, I, I just found myself uh, just tearing myself apart with criticism just mm. arriving at really? the conclusion that i just suck really yeah like i'm very mean to my i was like i'm not what gonna about, say it. I, I when i did take mushrooms yeah i found myself very mean to myself and arriving at very negative conclusions about myself wow that's kind of what about have you ever taken mdma uh, it's like, I remember that being just ecstasy, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Ecstasy is MDMA with a little bit of an upper, I think. Yeah. I took plenty of that and largely had all good experiences. But did you ever have a therapeutic kind of feeling where it was the opposite? Here, I'm just leading you to what I, I took MDMA and I was like, I had the very visceral experience of sweeping my own street. Like there were all these doubts and like, I'm stupid. I'm not, I'm not. And all that got swept away. And I could see that my street was paved with gold. And I was like, 
it was very like, look at you. Wow. Even the podcast, it was like, you share your insecurities and people get to listen in and feel less alone in your comedy. And I was like overwhelmed that the, it got swept away. Did you ever receive anything like that? Mm, no, I, I, man, that, that sounds wonderful. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sounds wonderful, but no. What about in therapy? Have you gotten to a place, or just in your conscious regular state, have you gotten to a place where you're like... You know what I've gotten to... And and uh, I, I haven't needed any kind of uh, drugs or, or anything to get to this, but like I, I've discovered recently, and, and I'm sure it's not a new discovery, but but I've I've you know been reminded recently that I can take the best circumstance. Like I have a really good life, you know. I've got a really really good life very fortunate circumstances and I can take any situation and make myself miserable. Really? (laughs) Like despite the best circumstances, I can just be very mean to myself. Mm. I can feel, I can catastrophize. Yeah. Like even like my, my situation is is great, but, oh, but, but it's not going to be okay. Like Mm. I'm just barreling towards like uh, some awful situation. Mm. Like I can uh, really, really. Like my wife's going to leave me, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna lose everything. Like, yeah. uh, you know, it's all over. I'll I'm, be discovered. I'm done. Yeah, that's funny because your work is so like you can't discover me. I'll show it to you. Yeah, I don't know that, that <laughs> I'll be discovered as it as much, but mm. but people are just done with me. Mm. I think uh, you know whatever. Whenever if they were interested, they've lost their interest. But do you still need that like you used to? Um, it's okay to be honest. I mean, if we do, I we th- do. Um, Oh, I don't think that there's really much dishonesty in me. I I, I, (laughs) I just meant don't. I felt like it was potentially an embarrassing question. No, no, no. Like Like I'm saying, like, but you've clearly grown and you don't need it. Maybe we do. No, I definitely. I, I I think that that this this uh, attention seeking thing is is very much in my DNA. There's no divorcing myself from that. But I think that the best I can strive to do is to find separation between the persona, yeah, you know, the 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 career, and the you other know, one. and 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 just whoever I am, yeah. And it's very very important to do that because as long as my identity, my self worth, my self esteem is tied to the the value of Steve O as a commodity in the entertainment world. Yeah. Then then I'm like that. I can't. You're fucked. You know, I'm fucked. You're like, totally fucked. Like it, 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 it's just not. It, that that's that's just a road to misery. And so, it was so important to me to, um, you know, to to learn how to have a healthy relationship and find a life partner, mm. someone you know, and really like cultivate. Uh, an identity and an existence separate from all that. Yeah. So that it can be okay for me to get old and and be a walking party fell. (laughs) You know? Yeah. This episode, friends, is brought to us sponsored by BetterHelp. My family is not great at gift giving. I'm talking about my mom and my dad growing up. We would always give my dad a tie or something and he would open it up and sarcastically say, just exactly what I wanted. 
which was not what we wanted. We wanted a better reaction than that. Whether or not your family gives gifts or does it well during the holidays, you get to define how you give gifts to yourself, and the holidays are a great time to do that. So whether it's by starting therapy, going easier on yourself during the tough moments, or treating yourself to a day of complete rest, remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. I have benefited so much from talk therapy. I always say it is greater than the sum of its parts. Talking to a trained professional has helped me through breakups, job transition, family stuff. It has made my life so much better. It's not just talking. It's actual active healing. I'm a huge believer in it, and BetterHelp has made it so easy to bring it into your life. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. And whatever you're going through, I swear, talking about it with a professional helps. It's changed my life. It can absolutely change yours for the better. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com weirdo today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash weirdo. We're also brought to us by our friends at Next Evo, my favorite CBD company and their stress gummies carry me through not just visiting family or anything distinctly stressful, but just holiday parties, which can be overwhelming for me. And the blend of CBD and ashwagandha helps me ease into stressful situations in my life and are an absolute holiday lifesaver. People have tried CBD in the past that don't know what it's all about, didn't get it. Next Evo has cracked the code and they get it into your system quickly and reliably so you can dial in the dose feel the effects, and start benefiting today. Some things don't mix. Brushing your teeth after you drank orange juice, oil and water is another classic. Our bodies, guys, don't absorb CBD oil very well. So when you reach for oil-based CBD products, you could be absorbing as little as 6% of what's on the label. Next Evo Naturals has developed a proprietary water-soluble form of CBD, clinically tested multiple times, which has proven to work faster and absorb four times faster, so you can stay calmer or sleep better during this stressful time of year. CBD obviously only works when it gets into your body, if it gets into your body. And only Nextevo has proven that their all-natural gummies and capsules absorb four times better than most oil-based products. It's not well known, but CBD isn't actually an oil. Other companies dissolve it in oil because it's cheap and it's an easy way to make products like tinctures and gummies, but CBD only works when it gets into you. So their products absorb faster at Nextevo better and are more delicious with absolutely no hempy after aftertaste. I can absolutely attest to that. With so many choices, this is the one with the brand data. Next Evo Naturals are proven to absorb four times better and their extra strength daily wellness CBD gummies are two times stronger than regular strength, which are incredible. Again, their stress gummies are a life changer. So don't waste your time on oil-based CBD that might not work. Upgrade to better natural solutions from Next Evo. Go to nextevo.com and use code WEIRD for 25% off any order or up to 60% off as a new subscriber. Wow. That's 25% off or 60% off as a new subscriber at nextevo.com and use code WEIRD. All right, everybody. Let's get back to Steve-O. I, I love that. It, that also reminds me, I, ideally, we all have a safe way to let out our shadow. 
And it seems like, I say this all the time, but it had a profound impact on me. Again, a tribal thing, mask work that put on the mask. Uh-huh. And the, like the, the, the devil, they put on the devil mask. And then, oh, I got the devil mask. You'd look at your reflection and then you would act devilish. And, and that was sort of like an agreed upon thing. We have this with Halloween, but this was like a ceremonial, like, oh, he's being the wicked devil. And of course he just took a dump on the fire or whatever it might've been. Right. So in a good world, you'd have base Steve and then you'd be able to try on and put on Steve-O when you need him. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I, and, and I think that I've actually, on some level, developed the ability to do that. Yeah. And I think that uh, that there's um, a, a blending. I think I live a double life, where yeah. when I need to be super crazy and do some super wild stuff, I, I have the ability to turn that on. Yeah. And. Uh, and, and I'm very calculated about it too. Yeah, you know, um, I'm very deliberate about when I amp up the crazy. How do you know it's time? I'm, like, <laughs> do you get itchy? Do you start being weird? Oh. Is your wife like, you need to jump out a helicopter? <laughs> no, 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 nothing like that. It's not to solve a behavior or a feeling. No, 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 nothing like that. Um, it, it's it's very very, you know, it, it's like asking you when when. When's the time to to write a joke? But right? it, like, it's interesting because I will start dreaming about it. Like I'll yeah. dream. Okay. I'll have a recurring dream that I'm looking at my set list and I don't know what it means. I get anxious. I get a little bit irritable, and then I'm like, my wife will say, "You need to go do stand up." All right. Like it's this like medicine <laughs> that I dole out, and I'm always trying to do it as little as possible. Okay. <laughs> I, like meaning, I. I just want to water it enough to keep it healthy and alive. I don't want to overwater it right. and become a perversion or something. Okay. So, but do you have, just to be frank, could you retire? Could I retire? No, I don't mean like psychologically. Like, are you sad enough that you could retire? Um, and then we can talk about whether or not you could retire. I think, uh, <laughs> I, th- I think that that, that's the, the, toughest question because the 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 more money you save the more financially insecure you feel i think is a weird dynamic what do you mean i mean that they've done surveys of of people and uh found that the more money they have, the more that they experience financial insecurity, like particularly people with over $10 million of savings. What? Like feel, really? they, they report that they feel wow. uh, financially insecure. And, and I think that that's evidence of a reality where um, we don't get satisfaction from uh, saving large amounts of money, that actually, in fact, the money creates a vacuum Hmm. where the more you have, the more you need. And, and, and it yeah. becomes this crazy. And, and so when you ask me, uh, am I set enough to retire? Um, I suppose I suppose I would have to really change my my lifestyle and, and reduce my, my overhead. Your my helicopter fi- my, budget? My, my, fixed, <laughs> my fixed costs are, are pretty absurd and, and uh, scary. But don't you think you might... As you were saying that, I was like, Elton John came up again. He got audited at some point, and it was like embarrassing, and there was a trial. And I remember one of the things they brought to the jury and the judge was you spend like something like $26,000 a month on flowers. 
And I don't know why I know that. Like, what is yeah. this public shaming? But I was like, when you have infinite money, you start spending more <clears throat> money because sure. I think there's part of you that knows that's at least in part the engine that keeps the thing that actually makes you fulfilled, which is your work. And if you have, if, if you're always spending, you'll need to make more, but you'll get this byproduct of fulfillment from the work that you do to make that money. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just know that um, that I find myself uh, a little bit frustrated that um, the, the the human nature applies to me. <laughs> you know, like uh, like like let's, let's say for example, um, you know, the, the the more successful I became, the more money I earned. Uh, it was very natural for me to uh, like, oh, you're gonna get this percentage. You're gonna like uh, just to be. I, I, it was very natural for me to recognize the people who helped me achieve my success and and have them participate in it. And yeah. and so that like I've you know and and, and by doing that I've cultivated the you know a, a loyalty amongst my team that that's really really uh, unbelievable. Yeah. And and I. I only recently have I, uh, you know, adopted and developed a more sophisticated level of accounting to really be able to see, like, how it's all shaking out. Mm. And really, really understanding, wow, I made that much money and held on to that little of it, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and in that uh, kind of revelation, you know, it comes a fear. And, and then... Like ah, I gotta, I've gotta like really uh, curtail my generosity mm. on some level, you know. Like it's I don't want to be the guy who made or earned millions and millions of dollars and like MC Hammer doesn't have it all. Yeah, yeah. So well, your generosity, slight sidebar and economics <laughs> is coming out of your gross. You're you're giving gifts based on I gave you a million dollars. And then you're giving a hundred thousand dollars, but then you actually you're taxed to five hundred. Right. Then your reps take thirty percent, right. and now you're making three hundred thousand, and you gave a hundred thousand right. sure. away. And 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 you it's just all, gave a third away. Yeah, it's it's all uh, just just kind of. I'm 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 at the intersection of uh, my, you know, I, I want to be. Like generous, I want to not, you know, I want to just not not care, be creative, and 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 it's all good. And but I also want to be smart. So like, it, you know, the the ego is is here to to help us survive because we we are biological organisms that need to eat and need, you know. But uh, on a spiritual level, like we're, we're you know, our our actual well-being comes from from love and mm -hmm. and so that the balance of of survival and 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 logic yeah, head and heart <laughs> yeah head and heart and so i'm at this uh and, and it's just i feel like i'm i'm in a crunch point where uh i'm i'm ha like having to acknowledge that human nature applies to me <laughs> and it's a bummer <laughs> yeah it's a bummer no i know yeah, it's a I, I, I totally hear that. It reminds me, it's so relatable what you're saying to everybody, not just showbiz people negotiating right. millions of dollars, 
but we're going like, I think the reason the trope exists, this was just in Red Dead Redemption 2. Did you play that by any chance? Doesn't matter. <laughs> You're out there stapling your nuts. You can't be <laughs> playing blue. It's hard to get a thrill from a video game. But, you know, cops in movies are always a day away from retirement and then they get shot. Yeah. You know, and I think the reason we see that as, like profoundly true is where all the cops going like one more job, one more job, right. one more job. When really so one of the things that is really strange to me is the level of consciousness or the mindset that fosters success, fosters a lot of money is exactly the mindset that makes it impossible to enjoy it. Yeah. Cause you're always, you're hungry, you're driven, you're itchy right. and you, you had to use all that hunger and drive and itchiness to get to this point and now you can't sit on the beach. I'm not saying that's what I'm hearing you say. I'm saying that's something we all have to work with is like, you can relax a little bit. You can relax. That, that, I mean, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. And um, it, I, I, last year, I published my second book. Yeah. And um, the, the final chapter of my second book begins with the question, are you happy? Mm. Italicized, you know. Mm. Are you happy? And I go on to describe that that question has uh, uh, always bothered me. Mm. That uh, that I've found it invasive, uh, offensive, because my initial instinct has always been, "Am I happy?" Like I feel like I do some kind of a like a, a, a you know, mental scan of my body. Like, am I happy? And my, the, the, everything tells me, no, I'm not. Yeah. You know, I'm not happy. I'm, I'm actually gripped by anxiety. I'm like just a, a ball of stress that, I, that my core belief that my default setting is, is one of believing that, that even if everything's okay now, it's not going to be okay. Right. You know, like I'm not going to be okay. Well, the ego, this is Ramdas as well. The ego, which is what you're <coughs> scanning. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. That's what we do when people say, are you happy? We look around the contents of our mind, our psyche, our bodies. And the truth is, this is straight Ramdas. He goes, the ego can only experience peace for like the briefest of moments. Yeah. I hand you the Oscar. You right. get it for a moment. But the question that's super important, I think, is, is the scanning mechanism that's looking for the quality called happiness, is that <clears throat> neutral awareness, is it happy? And I think when we investigate, not just take it as my word, but when we investigate the nature of the flashlight, not what the flashlight shines on, oh, is there happiness in here, but is the flashlight made of happiness is it made of peace and that's the answer but it's as tricky as a knife stabbing itself how do you turn a flashlight to look at yeah. its own quality and that's what the spiritual practice is is going all of those feelings happiness success anxiety are you anxious right now i am i'm assuming you're not so these things <laughs> <laughs> but what i'm saying is <clears throat> you're not angry right now, and other times you're angry. So these are clouds going through the sky, right. and we want to identify with the sky, but the ego can't come. That's the shit. The ego is stuck in the human right. predicament, but I do think there's a part of us that sure. isn't. And, that, and identifying with that is the only piece. It's the only one. I yeah. just had good news. Yeah. Felt good for about 30 minutes. I timed it. I timed it. And I was like, when will this good feeling last? It lasted 30 minutes, and it was a big one. 
So that's bullshit. Right. Well, what I arrived at, you know, because uh, we live in a society where it's not, uh, it's not okay to say, I'm not happy. No. So we said, are you happy? Like you you can't say, as a matter of fact, no, I'm not, I'm not happy. Like it's just, then you're a failure. Yeah. It's not an acceptable answer. And I think that's why I, I, the, the question always bothered me so much. You know, it's like, like, I don't fucking know if I'm happy. Like it's a new business. Like, you know, like, um, but but I really chewed on it more and more. I thought about it. Uh, You know, why, why should it bother me so much? And what I arrived at, is uh, and I, I actually became okay with it because in, in my view, like what is the happiness? You know, like, how, like let's, let's say hypothetically, if I was happy, like uh, I, I imagine that that is, is, uh, would be to be content. And it follows to me <clears throat> that to be content whew, is dangerously close to lazy. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, like like what's happiness gonna get me? Like where where there's no you know and like and 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 my reality of being just like I'm not okay. Like everything, if even if I'm okay right now, like man, I'm gonna be screwed. I'm gonna lose everything. Like I'm not gonna be okay. I've got to frantically hurry up and hustle and try to do something to make it so that I'll be okay. Yeah, and and that that is effectively like the fire under my ass. That, that you're afraid of losing. That, that, you want to keep it. makes that. me strive. And yeah. like, like it, it's because I'm so palpably uncomfortable all the time yeah. that, that I work so hard and, and that I strive so much. It's hard to know the difference though. I know what you mean. Because <clears throat> when I'm lit up and motivated to write something, it's a great feeling. But it's hard to know how much we're unconsciously, ritualistically reenacting familiar traumas, going like, right. I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. The first time I got stoned, it made me so relaxed, it freaked me out. I was 28 years old, and I was like, I had to find something to worry about before I could fall asleep. And that was my first little glimpse that I was like, this isn't the healthiest paradigm. It did drive me, and I created a lot of stuff, and I'm glad that I did. But at a certain point, I want to put this to you to see what you think. I'm a huge... Uh, lover. <laughs> I didn't want to say fan, but Rupert Spira wrote this book called You Are the Happiness You Seek, right? Okay. So it's really looking at the question of what is happiness. And he's again, I think, making the very compelling argument that this neutral, spacious field of awareness that we are is, for lack of a better word, happy. It's, it is ha- like you are happiness. And when something good happens to you, uh, he uses the example of he gave his son a gift and it made him happy. But what he thinks is happening then is, and this is very Buddhist, when you get the thing you want, for that brief moment, you're no longer striving, meaning you're no longer resisting, you're no longer averse to your reality. <clears throat> so you settle down and all of this clinging and attraction and aversions, they go away because you have the thing. But w- when they go away, your real nature which is spacious happiness is revealed. So when you say like, it's all fucked, I'm, I'm barreling towards a time when steve won't be able to achieve and won't be able to be praised. and won't, That's all true, but the good news is that that innate happiness that you are will be with you then and we should be practicing on how to dip into that rather than looking for the next gift, the next present, the next hit. Right, and Buddhism, <clears throat> Buddhism is... Uh... 
the where you get the the idea that all suffering comes from craving. Yeah. No matter what your situation is, you want it to be better. If you're in pain, you want the pain just to uh, lessen. If you're in pleasure, subside. you want it to yeah, last. Yeah, you want it to last longer. Yeah. To, so that's why that that phenomena of craving and this and the craving being the source of all suffering is precisely why I'm able to take absolutely wonderful circumstance and be miserable in it yeah because i want it to improve i want we, it to- and then the practice because i relate to what you're saying i can do that too is learning to say yes to what is and we can we can do yeah. that right now it's 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 hard because like i want this podcast to go well and after this i have to get across town and all that stuff but it's like surrendering byron katie calls it the thought that kicks you out of heaven right so you're in a hammock and it's sunset, and it's perfect temperature, and you think, be great if I had a nice tea. And that's the, <laughs> thought, that's the thought that kicks you out of heaven. So the practice that I'm working on that seems like, like it might be interesting to you is, and I always use traffic as an example, instead of postponing your happiness to when you arrive, how many times have you arrived? You know what I mean? How many yeah. times have you gotten to the thing and did the thing and you, you're done with the thing, and none of it worked. Yet we keep thinking, if I just arrive on time, and if I do the thing, and they say the thing, I'll be happy. All of this is going, you are made of peace. And all of this clinging and striving and resisting and averting and ugh, is keeping you from your state. And even as we're talking about it, I'm like, it's true. This isn't just a thought experiment. I When I'm in a uncomfortable situation, I ask myself, is the part of me that knows my experience, the knowing part of me, does it need anything? And it's, it's always okay. So if I'm trying to like move myself to that, instead of Pete, Pete will never be okay, Steve. We've done <laughs> 700 episodes of this podcast. Have you really? Wow. What the fuck, dude? Like, so... I like having a thing to do and that's all fine. That's over on this plane. But like the real game is Eckhart Tolle says, how you feel right now is how you feel about your life. So how you feel right now, this is, that's all that, that's all it is. And when you, and the other thing that came to mind is when they would ask Ramdas, are you happy? He would clo- he'd look around and go, yeah, I'm happy. He's looking around Ramdas for the feeling of happy. He goes, are you sad? And he's like, yeah, I'm sad. <laughs> Are you angry? Yeah. I'm a- Who can't find it? Right. It's in there. It's all in there. But the thing that's looking for those feelings is okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like, I, uh, I, I agree with all of that. I think that at the same time as, you know, I, I, I do genuinely believe that objectively, if I could choose being content or you know, this constant state of, of I'm not okay. Like I, there's something really, really appealing about the hustle that comes from feeling like I'm not okay. Yeah. Like I choose I want you to know, I completely understand. Yeah. Look at my life. Yeah. I love all this stuff and I love banging out a script, sending it. I'm waiting right now. I'm hoping when we're done with this conversation, I have the email that says, I love it. No notes. Yeah. This is ready. Let's go. Right. And it's fun to go to bargaining. 
It's just when it stops working for you and right. it will. Right. Like, and that's the thing too. We need to be ready. Yeah. Like I, I choose the hustle. I love the hustle. But at the same time, I, I, I get to a point where I have to recognize that uh, that forcing and pushing and trying to will something to happen that's not supposed to happen right. isn't, that's not hustling. That's, that's, uh, well, when does it become a compulsion and when does it become illness, like a mental yeah. illness? I, right. I think I probably, growing up in this culture, I think there are a lot of civilizations throughout time that would think both you and I, even sitting here calmly, oh. are deeply mentally ill. A hundred percent. And they're right. And they're right. They're, 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 they're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, um, that like uh, I here I am extolling the virtue of deep unhappiness for its results. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, How many people that's are absolutely like... mentally ill? <laughs> this is the cop who who says he's going to retire. Like someday we'll be happy. Someday we'll hang it up. Someday we'll stop seeking <laughs> approval from strangers and all that stuff. But like there is no day. They'll just be your last right. day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm hoping that um, you know, my lady and I, we uh, we we bought a, a ranch in Tennessee. Like, uh, I, I I love fantasizing about uh, us growing our own food. Yeah, you know, like uh, they're just kind of living there. Like, and and I'm actually gonna be in Tennessee for for like the whole month of December. Knoxville, like, uh, Tennessee. Um, North of Nashville. Okay. Yeah. Knoxville, Tennessee is not a place, is it? It is. Oh. Oh, right. He got it. Is that, is that where he's from? Um, I thought it was. I thought it was making not, a clever joke. That just is a place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Knoxville. Okay. That's yeah, why no, that's so familiar. I'm Nashville. Um, but uh, but the trick is it, yeah, yeah like I mean I don't know I'm like I, I don't know what it's gonna be like to try and not do anything. Yeah. For, I mean I, well of course I'm not gonna try to not do anything, but. I'm going to strive to do less. Yeah. Well, the, the, the only, all the spiritual things point, it's just now. Yeah. So I'm inviting both of us to, in our, right here, yeah. have that ranch feeling as you drive away from I the like podcast. I like that. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of, the ego will always choose a journey over a destination. You're right. So it's like, if only we can get there. Just be there right now. Yeah, I don't mean delude yourself and say you're at the ranch, but right. I think whatever we I'm can seeking, be spacious inside. Yeah, cling to things a little less tightly inside. And now you're at a ranch. What is a ranch? But a space. Why do we love views, unex, un, un, unobstructed views, and vistas and and ranches? It's because it reminds us of our own ability to be spacious inside. You know, when you feel tight and everything's, yeah. you're wrestling with everything. When you have a negative feeling, one of the great techniques that my wife Al has helped me with is like, give it space and see that it's not the whole thing. You can have that red ball of flame and you're in it, but like give it a little, step back a little bit. Try to see its dimension and its size and see that it's a phenomenon that's existing in you. It, it isn't you. Spacious ranch, yeah. Vista, view. I love that. I love that, and 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 it it, it reminds me too of all the people who uh, went to like 
India for some spiritual thing. And it's like, you really didn't have to travel all the way to India. Like, We're in India right now. There yeah. is no India. Yeah. The space that's in this room is the same space that's outside of Jupiter. You yeah. know what I mean? It's And we get trapped in this. You ever been really stoned? I have. And you're walking and you get the distinct sensation that you're you're not you're not moving towards the bakery. The bakery is just coming towards you because your feet are moving. Wow. It's almost like a treadmill. It's okay. a very stone feeling. But the reason why that's true, in a sense, is that you are always and only and ever here, and you're only yeah. and always ever now, and things just kind of travel through this still point that never is really moving. I've had that feeling. You fly somewhere crazy. And wherever you go, there you are. You're just like, yeah. fuck, it doesn't matter. I feel that way when I look at pictures of distant space. And I'm like, people are like, isn't it crazy how small we are? I'm like, it's the same I am that knows itself there that is this here. It's all, it's all, it's only big if you give it a relationship. Do you know right. what I mean? Nothing exists. Time, space doesn't exist. It's just this one thing that knows itself and you can put it anywhere. Right. And I think a lot of the people that came back from India were like, it wasn't India. It was you the whole time. Right. This one thing that you can put anywhere is more like one thing that's divided itself into yes. things that are everywhere. That's right. In the same way, Rupert, this is again, Rupert Spira, everybody should check him out. But he says like, we're like this room. He says, if you describe the contents of this room, most people would say there's a couch, there's a bigger couch, there's a backdrop, there's Katie, there's that. But very few people would say the space in the room. So we're like that. We're these four walls that are housing and giving a temporary identity to this space. But in a million years, none of this will be here. This space will be the same. And we're like that space. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're housing a little block of the space and giving the illusion that you and I are different in the same way that the space of this room appears to be different from the space at the top of the Sears Tower, but it's the same space. It's the same empty space. That's how we are. Yeah. Do you want to do some ketamine? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to, but I can't. <laughs> no, I know. I know. It just sounds like a ketamine but, thought. Yeah. I mean, yeah, ketamine's awesome. Yeah. You had a problem, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that stuff's it, not for. It, it didn't bring out the best in me. You had wild thought, experiences on ketamine. Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I did I did a lot of drugs and <laughs> I lost my license. <laughs> they revoked your license. What about yeah. what about anger? You seem like such a chill guy, and then when I was researching you, you, and you are, meaning I'm not. This doesn't take that away, but there are stories of like altercations with people in the audience and stuff. Is there? Yeah. A, there's a temper. You were arrested once. Did you attack someone in the audience? Um, I didn't. What happened was uh, there was, um, this was before I got sober too, um, an audience member like took uh, my bottle of tequila from, from uh, the stage. I didn't even notice that. I only saw the bouncers go and, you know, and handle it. And, and so... That the bouncers were impressive and and uh, fierce, and I said, I just on a whim, who wants to get on stage and try to run past the bouncers? We'll call it British Bulldog, and it'll be great. The bouncers are going to really mess somebody up. 
<clears throat> so I orchestrated this event. A coup, really? <laughs> yeah, this this kid, there's this kid, and I was like, okay, you get up here, we're playing British Bulldog, and he tried to run past the bouncers, and they were like these college football players, and it was a little bit anticlimactic. They just grabbed him, and sort of as an afterthought, they lifted this kid up above their head, and they just slammed him on the stage, and he was like knocked out, and... Oh no! Yeah, it ended up. Uh, it was on on camera, and then then it ended up being a criminal charges and against you. Yeah, for this uh, reminds me of what they're talking about with January sixth. It's like, did you incite? <laughs> yeah, is that I mean, your fault? I, I, I was a principal to second degree battery. Oh wow! And which was a felony, and this happened in two thousand two. Now, since then, uh, having a temper with. Um, like like performing stand up of um like with 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 disruptive audience members i mean it's it's a thing that we all deal with and uh i um i think it accumulates over time where you end up in in kind of a, a straw that broke the camel's back kind of situation yeah. where like it, you know my um my my uh, ability to tolerate disruptive audience members will will recede it'll it'll diminish yeah, yeah, and yeah. and uh i i don't know that that uh i i mean i just i just generally draw a pretty hard line you know with, with that I, I i take the the stance that um that it's disrespectful to the entire audience yeah it's not just you it's the show right and and like i uh i'm so passionate about the you know the the art that I'm performing and, and the idea that, you know, I'm in a theater with a thousand people who are here and, and really, really have this relationship going on. That's being vandalized. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Vandalism. Yeah. You know, it, is. it doesn't take any skill to key a car, just like it doesn't take any skill to, you know, vandalize a, a performance. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I, I, I um have had bouts with uh, you know just not handling that well, and yeah. I don't think there's a, I don't think that there's really any way to handle it well. Mm. If you don't acknowledge it, then it will. What do you mean you you go hard at them verbally? Um, yes, and uh, in some like just like. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, you're not invited to f screw up the show, you know? Like, you're just not. Like, it yeah. doesn't work. Doesn't but that work sounds out. okay. Yeah, yeah. But I have to imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, but do the fans like this? Are they kind of egging Steve-O to be no, steve -O? I don't think, I don't think that, um, I, I, I don't think that there's ever a good outcome. I think that by as soon as you acknowledge it and shut it down, like, uh, it's never benefited the show. Yeah. You know? Nobody like, was like, that was my favorite part. Yeah, nobody like it's not like it's not awesome. Yeah, and uh, you know if if you're if you try to be like like gentle and delicate about it, it's not effective. So right, in order right. to be effective, you yeah. got to almost deplete the energy of the of the show. Yes. So I've done that, and then you come back to your material, and you're yeah. like, "Why are we listening to this guy? He just yelled at us." Right. Yeah. yeah. This is this is uncomfortable. Right. So I mean, I don't know. Uh, how do you... Like, and in, in, in different situations, I've I've been like really aggressive, like ah, you know, like and 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 where that was counterproductive. Like, uh, I, I just I don't know. 
Someone... It's, it's something that that uh, I actually got into therapy <laughs> for. You for know, that, like, yeah, I, I literally signed up with my own promo code for better help <laughs> to get into therapy to try to work out like why I'm so incensed and so. What did you uncover? Um. I, uh, cause you can swap therapists at any time. <laughs> Promo code weird. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, what, what did I uncover? Like, uh, I, it, it, it's almost like 12 step inventory, you know, like I've got unreasonable expectations, you know, I've like, uh, I've got, uh, lacking compassion, you know, <laughs> It's such an embarrassing question, and you have to be like, I don't know, lacking compassion. <laughs> well, like yeah, so true. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's really what it is. Yeah, no, I know. You know? It's, I'm, it's really what it is. But I like unrealistic. Eddie F. told me that. He was like the four agreements. He was like, don't take it personally. Right. And that is I'm like, taking it per- that's I a very it good one. Yeah. I'm taking it personally and it's having, not personal. you know, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and um, I think that when I'm, when I handle heckling, the the worst when it affects me the most i think that that really it's got a lot less to do with the heckling and it's got a lot more to do with yeah uh i'm the stated uncovered in you yeah and and i'm like i said my my touring schedule has been uh unhealthy at times oh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so you're going too hard i'm I'm burning the candle at both ends and and if i'm you know i i had a you know a mentor that i i did uh inventory work with who who described the the thing on people's desks where uh it's like four balls and you pull you pull back the one ball but it's something four balls down that pops off. Wow, yeah. So when, when, when I'm popping off. It's the symptom, it's not the cause. Yeah, yeah. like when, 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 when I'm really, really feeling riled up, I've got to ask myself, what's underneath this? Yeah. You know, what, like, what, what, like, uh, what, what's, the, what's the, the initial ball? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the thing is not the thing, as they say in therapy. The thing is not the thing. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, I think recognizing that and looking for what the thing actually is. What and, is the thing? I mean. This, this horrible prank that you're stuck in? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Uh-huh. <laughs> it seems like that's enough to but do I wouldn't, that. I wouldn't necessarily describe myself as, uh, you know, over, like angry. I think that... Um, you know, when when it comes to that stuff, uh, I like I, I uh, my only excuse is passion. <laughs> you know, my only defense, Your Honor, yeah, is passion. I'm passionate about my art. It cuts to the fully ancient Greek jury, and they're like, "He's innocent." <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, like you know, I, I I'm through and through. I am a uh, genuine attention whore i <laughs> genuinely care so much about that connection with yeah. the audience and, yeah. and the delivery of my art to the audience yeah that uh i do not take kindly to that being interfered with does it why does it f- feel like you're getting all set up to do a drug like are you like this is all set up for me to get the attention that i need or is it more altruistic that you're like, the show is for them? What is your perspective on why the show is sacred? I uh, Is it harshing your buzz or is it ruining something greater? I, I think it's just ruining something greater. I mean, like, here's this, this, this great experience, you know, like it, it, it follows logically that uh, 
regardless of how uh, respectful all of the audience members are, I walk away with the same compensation for the engagement. Yeah. You know, nothing, it, nothing has any bearing on, right. on my financial remuneration. And so <clears throat> clearly what, uh, it's not about whether I'm, you know, they're not messing with my money. You know, like they're just messing with the experience. Right. And they lose. <clears throat> for for me, like uh I think that they're like I I I like to believe and I genuinely do believe that there's uh some integrity in that. That like the only thing at stake is the experience. Yeah. And I I <clears throat> genuinely care about the experience. Yeah. You know? Maybe there's part of it too <clears throat> that I've got like uh, some kind of a, a, a uh, self-consciousness, some kind of a, of, of a complex about w whether I belong on that stage, and you know, and so like the experience that people have when I am on the stage is matters to me so much. Like, it's don't, tied to your identity. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. There, there's certainly a lot there. Yeah. There's certainly a lot there, and. Um, and, and I really fucking care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it is life or death to part of you. You're like... Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I, I really care. And so, um, yeah. You ever seen a ghost? You um, seem like a guy who's seen a ghost. Yeah, I've seen... I mean, I've had uh, a lot of psychosis. <laughs> <laughs> but have you ever seen one that you're like, I think that was a ghost? Um, I consider it more uh, hallucinations. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I once saw a guy uh, walk through the wall and then, uh, like, gesture in respect to the memory of my mother and then continue into the living room and actually pick up my bong and take a hit off of it and then <clears throat> walk back through the wall. <laughs> I mean, I guess that was a ghost. <laughs> or your buddy Steve, who's <laughs> sleeping in the van in the back. He hit your bong? He he lit. That was the crazy part was that I saw the bong lifted it up in the air. And uh, did anyone else? Were nah, you alone? No, nah, no, nah, I was alone. There was a time when when uh, a whole group uh, came into my apartment and and to stage a formal intervention. And uh, later it turned out that none of them were ever there. I literally Wait, did they leave? So at the end of the intervention, they were like, um, goodbye. I think it became clear that they weren't there like while it was happening. Wow. But yeah, they were they're, 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 they're congregated in concern. And this was a drug flashback, not a drug you had taken? Uh, that, no, it was while in psychosis on, you know, roughly two or three full days into cocaine benders. Wow. Like I was, I would have been doing cocaine, staying awake for two to three days, and inhaling uh, more nitrous oxide than anything else. Wow, yeah, yeah, and I, I loved those experiences. The fake intervention. Yeah, I mean, like, like everything. There were a lot of like fake interventions. There were a lot of like. Uh, what did you love about it? Wouldn't that be jarring that you then realized they weren't I there? Yeah, just that 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 I was privy to this activity from other dimensions was so, you know that like <laughs> that like I, I I had consumed enough uh, chemicals for the barriers 
between the veil. Yeah, it, it, it erodes the barriers. Yeah, and it it, it opens up, uh, you know, other energies. You know, the the problem with doing it with chemicals is that that you invite in all frequencies. So you've got like demons and and mm. you know, mm. like I called it demons and, I, and, and angels and demons, and um, so the, it's it's. It's uh, it's dangerous. It's not like healthy. It's not good. But man, is it wild! <laughs> I really, I really did love it. <laughs> Hearing voices and and seeing all this wild stuff happen. Because you weren't what, bored. Is that what you loved about it? Like something was happening. I mean, dude, like that. They were just like tricks. I called them. There were the, there were demons and there were angels and then there were like trickster spirits like that just were, would entertain me like with unbelievable magic. Like the chair I was in was just one time it erupted into flames and the flames weren't burning me at all, but I was just engulfed in flames in this awesome chair, just fire and it was like man, it wasn't even hurting me. I was just like like uh, I had this um this skateboard was was drilled to the wall above the door to my apartment from you know on the inside and i had a globe like a you know the the world a, a globe it was the base of it was drilled to the skateboard so the globe was protruding like this and like the liquid terminator i saw my own face push th from inside the globe like it it just came out like <laughs> And it, it was me, but it was the globe. And then the gloves started going, like headbanging, you know, like. And, I, and I'm sitting there watching this happen, realizing how, like, absurd it was, and, and how it couldn't be real. But like checking with myself, no, nope, like it's still happening. You know, like that can't be real, but not, it, it, it's, it's, yep, wow. not it's, it's persisting. There was just a million things like that that would happen, like, you know, these curtains just like opening and closing on their own with all these like lights flashing that were just never there. And it's wow. all really, really and incredible stuff. I'm trying to tie it to what you did with pranks and continue to do with stunts. I mean, like this reality is absurd and mysterious and way stranger. And it seems I'd like your response to like all of us walking around with belts and khakis and going to, kinkos and making copies and and going to a birthday party you seem to have this like this is what judd apatow called me just a minute ago and he said to ask you about your feeling about that the world is absurd and it you kind of seem like you want us to look at it stop denying it so a face coming through a globe i think would be administering <clears throat> to that you're like i knew it i knew this place was fucking weird it's not clean white ked sneakers. It's a disaster and it's wild and it's strange. In that same apartment, I remember like the f feeling an undeniable presence of, of of God. Actually, God was just in, like, uh, you know, in my my space. I was like, okay, so next, and I was just like, okay, so so God, like, you know, now that you're here, you know, like, like tell me. Why is the world so fucked up? And uh, there was just, um, there was just silence, which in and of itself was a response. 
and that the silence was just an indication that on some level that like I'm not meant to understand it, but everything's actually the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> and it's almost like in the silence, it's like you're not you're like like don't ask don't ask me, you know, like, this is the world <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like like you you know, not the world uh The answer was no answer. Yeah, the answer was no answer and it was very powerful. <laughs> um like to kind of like, hey man, it, 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 it like is what is is, you know. There, there's simply that there's not right or wrong, there's not good or bad. There's simply what is. Yeah, that's Shakespeare. There, nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so. It's yeah. just what's happening. <laughs> right. I, I really had a, a profound um, experience and and. Uh, an, an adjustment of my view of the universe from reading Conversations with God, book one. Mm. Really, really loved that. Well, who wrote that? Uh, Neil Donald Walsh. Okay. It was on the New York Times bestseller list for uh, almost three years. Really? Yeah, I think it set a record. Wow. And what is it? What is it? It's the... a fairly implausible premise. It's a guy. Um, uh, asking God questions and intuitively receiving responses, which he himself writes down. So he writes this whole dialogue. So it's a channeled book. It's a, yeah, it's a dialogue. Or is it fiction? Was he um, saying he was doing this? He was having this conversation? Or he, he was... said that he was channeling. Yeah, oh. He was intuitively receiving responses. He wrote down the entire dialogue, which is wow. which is a tough pill to swallow. To, to say, okay, well, you know. Um, however almost three years on the New York Times bestseller list wow. like lends some kind of credibility to it. And do it. you remember, did anything striking about God come from your she, reading yeah, of it? for sure. Uh, my mom had suffered an aneurysm um, on October 10th of 1998, and she survived it, but um, multiple brain surgeries. Um, she was heinously disabled both physically and mentally and her, the the five years which she survived after this aneurysm was was just pure pure hell um she developed bed sores and was screaming in pain and mm. like it was just the most awful traumatizing thing that i've ever been through like without anything even remotely close close yeah and I'm so sorry and, and I found myself very, very angry at any God that could allow for such horrible suffering to happen to my mom. Mm. And what the book Conversations with God helped me with so much was that it pointed to a flaw in my thinking. Um, my thinking was based on uh, the, the erroneous belief that God was somehow separate from my mom. Mm. God over here allowed this to happen to my mom who's over there. Well, and that's out. wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the idea that we are all God, that God, that, that, that what we are, what, what all of us are um, in this realm of the relative is an exercise in the universe experiencing itself. Yes. And I don't have to understand why God valued this experience, why it was important. Yeah. You know, but the idea that God wasn't over there and let it happen over yes. there, but but that actually 
My yes. mom wasn't alone. Right. My mom was God. My mom was an expression of God. Yes. So this and God that, was suffering with and as yeah, your mom. Yeah. And with and as you. Yeah, and not even necessarily, I mean, who knows? Maybe it was even suffering. I don't know. Yeah, right. I don't know. Well, that goes back to my question of the awareness right. being okay. And, and uh, I, I, was, I was deeply honored to have Neil Donald Walsh on my podcast and, oh, wow. and explain all of this to him directly. And he said... Uh, <clears throat> that um maybe this uh whole uh, this whole experience that my mom went through is uh was it was her gift to me mm. that's i mean like it's kind of a stretch but, but. yeah but, but it is true that the story is now being heard by new people right. and and we're all yeah. i don't know you got a roll? Uh, I think, yeah, that, like, uh, that, that's my lady creeping through. <laughs> so, I mean, she, she was already allowed through with, with calls, but, but texts, you, you, you... I just showed you how to make yeah, they're, it on they're, Do Not Disturb. Yeah. You can add certain people to your Do Not Disturb. But yeah. the problem is I told, uh, we're going to get you out of here. My wife is always replying to text threads where I'm on it. So I'm getting, I think it's important. And it's just like, Sounds good or something. And yeah. I'm like, God damn it. There's not too many group texts that I'm on with my with my fiance. They're all on mute. You know how to mute a group text? That's a good one. Ooh. Mute them. Group so that's texts. the counter to to my girl. Yes, that's right. That's right. Although some of them I want. Anyway, <laughs> this was great. Uh thank you. Yeah, thank you, man. Do you feel good? I, I do. I, I feel pretty comfortable right now. Great. Yeah. Because how, how you feel? How dare you ask me that? <laughs> <laughs> Are you happy? Are you happy? How dare you? <laughs> I do want to uh, ask uh, the time you laughed the hardest in your life. Can you think of it? I laughed the hardest in my life. And that, that's it. Then we're out. Um, first thing coming to mind um, when... Um, my buddy Dave England, uh, one of my jackass castmates, was on my podcast, and and uh, we told the story about, uh, or he told he told the story about how uh, he smeared poo on the. It was just really really funny, like uh, a pure, a poo smear. It was a poo smear that started that in, that instigated a, a little bit of a of a retaliation. He smeared poo on the the. Stop the, it the director of Jackass's hotel room door handle. The den, and everybody was, was, was drinking. And then so when the director came and checked, went to go into his room, he had poo on his hand. None too pleased Dave's about poo. it. Dave's poo, yeah. yeah. The director was none too pleased about it. And so he went about finding out what room Dave England was in. She just knew. I love an expression like none too pleased working its way into <laughs> right. a poo smear story. Right. So the director, you know, and, and back then we used to share hotel rooms, so it was even easier. The <laughs> the director was uh, led into Dave England's room by the other guy. The other guy. And he squatted over his, his suitcase trying to poop in it, but he wasn't able to. And then he peed. Oh. He, he peed. He just, just stood there being in his, in his suitcase. Both of them. Uh, no, 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 just the director peeing into Jeff Tremaine, or the into director Dave. Jeff Tremaine peeing into Dave's suitcase. When Dave got back, he, he, Dave was, was, this was a bridge too far because, <laughs> because he had bought a stuffed animal 
for his, his daughter, uh-huh. his very, very young uh, you know, baby daughter. Yeah. And, and the, this stuffed animal had been peed on by Jeff Tremaine. And that was not okay. So Dave England, and then this all happened, I want to say, in, in Paris. And like the next move was to go to Amsterdam. Uh-huh. Dave England called the airlines and canceled everybody's flights, called the hotels, canceled their reservations, and booked himself a flight home. He had just left. And and every like the entire that pro- was the prank. The, no one goes. The entire production was had like all of the flights were canceled, all the hotels were canceled, and Dave was went back home. And like I think what what was so funny? <laughs> oh my god! What was so funny about it was that if Dave applied that level of tenacity and ambition to his life, <laughs> I mean, he's got it, you know? He's, he's, he's just using it for prank retaliation yeah, he's, boosters. He's, it's in there. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, and, yeah. That is hilarious. It's like when I met Motley Crue when I was a little kid. I was, uh, you know, I, I, I knew that they were in my city because they had the concert. I called every single hotel in the Yellow Pages asking to be put through to a room under the name of their manager. Called for hours. Finally got through. The, this guy answers the phone in the room. And I said, is that Doc McGee? And he said, no, this is Doc's brother, Scott. Who's this? And, and, uh, and, I, and I'm like, is, it, is, is Motley Crue there? And, uh, and, and he said, how did you get this number? And I told him, I called every hotel in the Yellow Pages. He said, that is awesome. He says, how did you like backstage passes? He gave me tickets in the fifth row. I went with my dad. I got my picture taken with Tommy Lee and Nikki Six. What? Uh, yeah, October twenty fifth of nineteen eighty seven. He admired your stockiness. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Whoa, big, t- big time. He admired my stockiness, and uh, you know, it was, it was the most empowering thing. Like I was, I was literally thirteen, and I looked eleven. Wow. And, and uh, you know, Tommy Lee and Nikki Sick, and 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 ever after, my dad said with every crappy report card, with everything, son. If you would just apply yourself the way that you, you know, the way that you applied yourself to meeting Motley Crue. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but. but, Cut to you on a ledge. (laughs) I'm doing it, Dad! (laughs) Yeah. I'm doing it! Right, but again, I can't do things that that I'm not passionate about. Like, if I am passionate about it, there's no stopping me. Yeah. No stopping me. And you have the photos to prove it. Yeah. Wow, what a great story. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, thank you, Pete. Would you say Keep It Crispy? Try and say it in your least steve-o voice try and talk from your vocal cords keep it crispy (laughs) (laughs) very good all right (laughs) that was awesome man yeah man thank Thank you. you